Welcome to Fusion Student Ministries. We hope this message equips and encourages you. Well, we've been in a series on prayer called Let Us Pray. And uh, my goal has been to try to encourage y'all and equip y'all and get y'all fired up uh, about prayer. We know that there's purpose in prayer. There's power in prayer. And uh, we know that uh, the health of a ministry is absolutely can be traced back to the prayer life of the ministry. And the same thing in our spiritual life. Personally, the health of our spirit can be traced back uh, to our prayer life. So we're just taking the month of uh, August and focusing in on on prayer. And uh, just as you're getting back into school, I think everybody has started school at this point. And so, no, some of y'all have not. Some of y'all are graduated and moved on. Some of y'all going to UL and it's going to start in a little while. So... Anyway, we all need more prayer, right? <laughs> Are you in James chapter 5, verse 16? James chapter 5 and verse 16. We're going to go ahead and get into the word. James chapter 5, verse 16 says, The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you right now for your word, Lord. Lord, we just submit ourselves to you, God. We submit ourselves to your voice. And Holy Spirit, we just welcome you in this place. We ask that you would come, be the teacher. Come, speak to us, God. Show us things in us, God. Encourage us, God, to get closer to you. And Lord, I just pray that each and every one of us would get a fresh perspective of prayer. And Lord, that we would be more excited and hungry to get closer to you in prayer tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, we're in week three of our series called Let Us Pray. And uh, if you're taking notes, I encourage you to take notes. Uh, I got a a good bit of material to give for you all. I'm going to try to keep it short and to the point, but it's, uh, I believe, to be powerful. And uh, so I've got a lot of of notes for you. And tonight we're going to talk about uh, the five levels of prayer. The five levels of prayer. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is uh, what I believe to just be uh, five different levels of, of prayer. And so I encourage you uh, just to, to seek after these. And really, there's kind of an order as we begin to get to these levels. There's kind of different levels of breakthrough, and I'm going to explain that uh, in a little bit. So five levels of prayer. The first level of prayer is, number one, submission. Submission. The first level of prayer is submission. Whenever Jesus uh, was teaching us about prayer in Matthew chapter 6, he started out in the, in the second verse by saying, May your kingdom come soon. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Prayer should start, uh, the first level of prayer is submitting our will to God. Is submitting our will to God. A lot of people get frustrated in prayer and maybe not, may not see answers in prayer because what may be happening is you might be praying your will and whenever we pray our will God's not going to be quick to answer a prayer that's filled with our will it starts out with us submitting to God's will and whenever we go in prayer we got to obviously we talked about a few weeks ago we got to connect with him relationally but one of the first levels of prayer is submission is submission and saying God this isn't about me this isn't about me. You can make your, your request known, but ultimately it's not my will be done, but God, your will be done. And that's the first level of prayer. That's really where prayer starts. And I believe that Jesus, you know, as he taught this uh, to the disciples and to the crowd, 
I believe Jesus had a habit of submitting himself to the Father. Of submitting himself to the Father in prayer. We even see whenever Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, uh, was getting ready to experience the cross, even at that point, whenever he went before God in prayer, he said this, he said, Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me, yet I want your will to be done, not mine. You know, whenever we're in the tightest circumstances, whenever we're beginning to feel the most pressure is really whenever our heart begins to show. And Jesus was in the most pressure-packed situation of his entire life. He was facing the cross. But even at that point, he was still at the level of submission. He was still, even in his prayer life at that point, was still not, I would prefer, my flesh would prefer not to have to endure the cross, but yet still, not my will be done, but your will be done. And so the first level of prayer, the very, the very beginning of prayer, is us submitting our will to God. And that's, how, that's whenever we really begin to see some breakthrough in our life, is whenever we submit our will to Him, and it's not about us, but it's about Him. The second level of prayer, and I really want to spend a good bit of time on this, is exchanging. Is exchanging. And there's, there's three different exchanges that need to be made with God during prayer. So we start out with submission. God, it's not about it's not about me. It's not about what I want to do. It's not my will. But God, ultimately, your will praying the will of God. And how do you know the will of God? Ultimately, we know God's word is his will. And so we know that we can follow along and say, God, I pray, Lord, that that you would you would help me to draw closer to you. I desire to draw closer than you. And and we know that as we submit ourselves to the word and submit ourselves to God in prayer, that he will begin to move in our life. And the second thing that we do is we exchange in prayer. We exchange with God in prayer. The first thing that we exchange with God in prayer, and I want you to catch this, is we exchange our unforgiveness for God's forgiveness. The first thing that we exchange uh, in prayer to God is we exchange our unforgiveness for God's forgiveness. Now, what does forgiveness or unforgiveness have to do with prayer? It has everything to do with prayer. Because that's ultimately, that's, that's one area that you will, you will not begin to connect with God if you have unforgiveness in your heart. It's a really big deal, and, and that's how we deal with unforgiveness. Every single one of us is going to have the opportunity to have unforgiveness in our hearts. That We live in a, in a fallen world with people with a fallen and sinful nature, and you know what? They're also going to have to, there are other people that are going to have to forgive us as well, because we are obviously not perfect either. And Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Whenever he was teaching about, about prayer, a little bit later he said, And forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. Now for some of us, that, that's kind of a scary passage of Scripture. Forgive me, God, just as I forgive other people. Jesus also said uh, later in, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 14, if you, forgive those who sin against, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Now, what does sin do? Sin ultimately separates us from God, right? And what is prayer? Prayer is a dialogue with God. It's our communication. It's our connection with God. 
And so our sin nature, before we're saved, we have no communication with God. But then we get born again, we get saved, God's life comes in us, and now we have connection with God. But even though we get saved, whenever we choose to hold and harbor unforgiveness, that begin, that sin begins to disconnect us from God. And so whenever I am choosing to hold unforgiveness towards another person, I then forget what Jesus has forgiven me of. And so what I do in prayer, and some of you in here, this really might not apply to you. You're really not struggling with unforgiveness. Others of you may be in that place where you have some unforgiveness in your heart. And the reason that I'm talking about that is because the way that you get rid of unforgiveness is through prayer. And it's through exchanging your unforgiveness for God's forgiveness. It's your unforgiveness for God's forgiveness. And so you begin to get God's perspective of that person. And I don't know if, you, if you've thought like this, but I know I have in the past, is sometimes we like to hold on to unforgiveness because we're a little bit worried that maybe God will let them off the hook. I don't, maybe I'm the only sinful person in here. I, I, you know, if we feel like somehow it's, it's really, it's, what it really is, truthfully, is it's a demonic thought is we feel like if we harbor and hold unforgiveness, then some way it's punishing that person. And if we let go of it, then maybe God, you know, God's gracious and He's merciful and, and He's just going to forgive them and nothing's ever going to happen to that person. Romans chapter 12 and verse 19 says, Dear friends, never take revenge. Leave that, to, leave that to the righteous anger of God. For the Scriptures say, I will take revenge. I will pay them back, says the Lord. You know, I've prayed prayers like like this where I, I, I maybe was struggling with unforgiveness and my prayer was more like, God, get them. <laughs> you ever prayed like that? Or am I still the only sinful person in the, in the building? God, get them. God, get them. But you know, ultimately, a great sign that you truly forgiven that person is whenever you begin to say, God, I pray that you would touch their heart. I pray that you touch their life. I pray, God, that you would bless them. Lord, I pray that they would come to know you even greater than before. And what happens with that is what we're doing is we're letting go of our unforgiveness and we're receiving the forgiveness of God. Because I don't know about you, but I need a lot of forgiveness. I need a lot of forgiveness. Every, I, I mean... Almost every time I go before God in prayer, there's something that I have to ask him for forgiveness for. And so I when you get the revelation and the, and the realization of how desperately you need the forgiveness of God, it will help you to release others, because it's really honestly in this situation, it's not about that person. It's really about you. It's really about your health and you receiving from God. And you can't receive from God if your hand is holding the unforgiveness. Just kind of get that picture of, of a fist that's clenched. You can't receive. Nothing can get in here. But until you release that unforgiveness, now you can receive forgiveness. And now you have a closer relationship with God. That's the first thing that we need to exchange in prayer. The second thing that we need to exchange in prayer is we need to exchange our burdens for his rest. We need to exchange our burdens for his 
rest. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all who are weary and carry heavy, heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Most of the burdens, actually all of the burdens that we carry in our life, God never intended us to carry. You know, some of us have some really big burdens in our life, like maybe you have a parent or maybe you have a a sibling or a loved one that is lost and doesn't know God. And you can feel the weight of, man, I, I really want them to get saved. And that is the heart of God. God wants everybody to get saved. But you can begin to take on the burden of their relationship with God. And ultimately, God never created you to hold the burden of their relationship with God. You know, you can even do it for for those leaders, you know, for those of us that are leaders, you can be discipling somebody and you can, you know, you can have the heart of God, which is the heart of God to see that person begin to grow and begin to, you know, spiritually advance and get closer to God. But there can become an unhealthy measure where you take on their relationship with God and that'll wear you out. Because you were never meant to carry or hold the burden of anyone's relationship with God. Ultimately, the only person that you're responsible for is you. And even in your relationship with God, it's God, here, here I am. I'm surrendering to you. I heard, um, I heard a man of God say uh, not that long ago, and it's really just stuck with me. He said, um, I trust God's ability to lead more than my ability to follow. He said, I trust God's ability to lead more than my ability to follow. Some of you are even getting burdened with your own relationship with God because you're doing it in your own strength of man. I, like some like this is a great series for some of you. And this is also a dangerous series for some of you, because some of you could leave here feeling condemned. Some of you could leave here and get a mentality of works and feel like, man, I don't pray enough. I need to pray more. And you can say, you know what? I'm waking up at 5 a.m. every morning. I'm going to pray an hour. And that's great. But you can find yourself, even in doing that, begin to get exhausted and burdened if you don't make this exchange. In our prayer, in our prayer, we, there are some things that we have to exchange. And one of the things that we need to exchange is our burdens for His rest. When you begin to do this... I. I, I do this a lot in prayer. You know, I even have just a, you know, the, the Bible talks about in that scripture of a yoke. And you, y'all know what a yoke is. I've, I've talked about that before. You know, how it fits around the, ox, the ox's uh, neck and the, it helps them to pull things. And, you know, it can become, it can become just tiresome. And I, I try to visualize where like instead of a big old thing of wood, a big uh, you know yoke around your neck, I try to visualize almost like a, a toothpick, like just something, just something really, really small. And like instead of a big old like trailer behind me, I see like a little one of you know those little red wagons that we used to have as a kid. I know that might be a little cheesy, but I, I really I visualize that, and I see that and said, God, I'm exchanging my burden, my yoke, and I'm taking on your burden. I'm taking on your yoke. And the more responsibility that you have, the more key that this is going to become in your life. You know, the, the more that some of you, as you graduate high school and go into college, get in the workforce, some of you, wherever it may be, 
the more responsibility you get on your plate, the more opportunity you have to become weighted down and burdened. And that's why it becomes so key to have this a part of your prayer life where you're exchanging your burdens for God's rest. You can live in a place of rest and you can take all the vacations in the world you can go on all the cruises in the world. But ultimately, if you don't make this exchange, you're not going to have rest inside. You can sleep all the time. You can quit your job and get on welfare and do nothing. And you can still be burdened down and weary and tired if you don't make this exchange. And the key is not not just in high school, but I'm trying to I'm trying to teach you for beyond this. The more responsibility you get, the more you have in life. I want you to remember this in prayer. You got to exchange your burden for God's rest and you can walk and live in rest. I'm not perfect at this at all, but it helps me to remember this. It helps me to walk in this. And the, and the further and more responsibility you get, it'll help you as well. And the third thing that we exchange in prayer is we exchange our pride for God's humility. We exchange our pride for God's humility. These levels are so key because all these things will keep you from getting closer to God. And the one thing, pride will keep you totally away from God. And so we exchange our pride for God's humility. And every single one of us has a measure of pride. Even if you're not verbal, verbal about it or are bo- boisterous about it, every single one of us has the temptation, let me say it that way, has the temptation of pride. Hopefully most of us aren't walking in pride, but all of us have the temptation to walk in pride. And so in prayer, the third exchange that we make is we take our pride, which is our sinful nature, our flesh nature, and we exchange it for God's humility. Jesus even said in that same passage in in Matthew 11, 29, he said, take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. That goes back to rest whenever you take on his humility and exchange your pride. It also brings rest in your life. But what it also does is it creates a better connection between you and God whenever you exchange your pride for his Humility. And in Second uh, Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14 says, Then if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. You know what happens whenever I walk in humility? Healing takes place. Whenever I humble myself before God, then God can do something with me. But whenever I walk in pride, there's really nothing that, I can, that God can do for me because I've been separated from Him. But whenever in prayer, I make this exchange of God, I'm giving you my pride and I'm taking on your humility. There's something that happens with that. You know, the Bible says, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. You know, we have to get into a posture of humility. And walk in humility. And you know, this is something that I can preach about forever. But it's a lot harder to walk it out, to live it out. And the way that this happens is through prayer. 
back to the focus of what we're talking about is prayer. All these things, all these levels happen during prayer. The greatest way to walk in humility is not just waking up in the morning and saying, you know what, I'm going to be humble today. I'm just going to walk in humility today. That, that's okay. But the best way to do that is in prayer saying, God, I'm giving you my pride and I'm taking your humility. Because ultimately, what is the goal of Christianity? You know, Christian was a derogatory term that was actually used as an insult whenever it first came about. It meant little Christ. Like it, it, was, it was an insult meant for those that were disciples of Jesus. The purpose of Christianity is to be a Christ follower. Is to be a Christ follower. And ultimately, the nature of who Jesus is, the essence of who he is, is he's humble. He is humble. And so whenever I take, give, get rid of my nature and take on his na- nature, he said, come to me, I am humble. Ultimately, true humility is found in him. So I exchange my pride for his humility. The third level of prayer is listening. The third level of prayer is listening. So whenever I get to the place that I'm submitted to God, I'm submitted to God, I make my exchanges to him, I exchange all those those three things to him, then I'm listening. You know, I was thinking about a lot of our prayer life and prayer lives and and mine as well. You know, Sometimes my prayer life is a lot of talking and not a lot of listening. You know, prayer is meant to be a dialogue. You know, I was just thinking about just, you know, some of us, we're, we're in our prayer closet, and that's good, and there's times for it, but we're just getting after it. Lord, I just pray that revival would hit my school, and I pray, God, that you would just shake this nation, and we're just, get, we're just so passionate, we're praying loud, and we're going after it, and that's great. But in your prayer, there's time for that in prayer. We need to do that. We need to press in. I'm going to talk about that in a little bit. But is there listening in our prayer? You know, the Bible says in Psalms chapter 62, verse 5, he said, let all that I am quietly, wait quietly before God, for my hope is in Him. You know, a lot of people, especially a lot of old people, (laughs) call it my quiet time. You know, you ever a lot of I hear a lot of like older. I, I never really say like I'm going to have my quiet time like it, it's just sounds it sounds so official. But, you know, there's some truth to that. We need to have quiet time before God. We need to have that time where we can just sit at his feet and and, and not be so loud and not, you know, just there's times for that. But there's also times for just sitting at his feet for just making ourselves be quiet. You know, a lot of uh, in my life, my prayer, I'm just kind of sharing my prayer life with y'all, but I can get into prayer and it's like the most ultimate ADD-ness kicks in during prayer. I'm like, I just start out praying and I'm like, oh man, I need to cut the grass today. And uh, who's the saints playing this week? And I, and and in my mind, I'm like, wait, 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 hold on. And and I have to constantly get myself back to that self discipline. And I think that, that a lot of us are, are like that, where our mind can just wander in prayer and like just you just go off into this rabbit trail. And it's discipline. It's part of fruit of the spirit. Is discipline and disciplining our our minds and saying, you know what, I'm not going to focus on anything else but Him. That's why a lot of times in worship, 
whenever I get up and we're just really at that place of worship where I'll try to get you to maybe close your eyes or just block out all other thoughts because what I'm trying to do is what you should do in your prayer life of saying, you know what, I, let's, let's all get focused on what, it, what it's about. That's, let's get focused on Jesus. And you have to do that in your prayer life of, you know what, okay, let's, let's get focused on who I'm here to see. You know, it's like if you have a meeting with somebody and you're meeting with them and you're, or you're having lunch and you just start, you're writing notes and you're making reminders and you start doing all this stuff, that person's going to get frustrated with you. He's like, man, I'm here to have lunch with you. I'm here to meet with you. And you're calling people, you're texting people, you're making notes, you're, do, you're doing everything else but having dialogue with me. And imagine how the Holy, Holy Spirit feels sometimes. We get into prayer, but yet we really never connect with God. And that's the purpose of prayer. It's not really, it's not really about the amount of time that's spent. You can spend an hour in prayer and have just rabbit trails of thoughts, but never connect with the heart of God. So really don't focus on how much time you're spending. It's great if you can pray an hour, but, it, but are you connecting with God? That's the whole purpose of prayer is to connect with God. And a level of prayer is whenever you're just quiet. You know, whenever you just you just focus your thoughts on him. In Psalms chapter 46, verse 10, it says, Be still and know that I'm God. We need to have moments of that in prayer where we're just we're still. We just begin to just fix our thoughts and just begin to think of the holiness of God. Just begin to think of everything that he's done. God, you're so amazing. You're the creator of this universe. You, you, you called me. You saved me. I just, I just fix my thoughts about how awesome you are. And if we do that, we'll get closer. We'll really begin to experience the presence of God. We'll really be in, that's that's some of the times that I really experience the presence of God stronger than ever is whenever I'm just sitting there. You know those moments where you're like, I don't want to move, I don't want to say anything, I don't want to do anything. I just I just want to just sit right here and just fix my thoughts of you. That's some of the most that's some of the best memories I have with God is whenever His presence is so strong. It's like God, I, I just want to be here. You know, there's those times and we have those times even in here in worship. Sometimes like, let's just nobody move around. Nobody say anything. Let's just be still. And it's simple. But how many of us really do that? This is all practical, easy stuff. But if we apply it to our lives, we're really going to go to a deeper level of prayer. We're really going to get to a deeper place of experiencing the presence of God. So the first thing, we submit our will. I had this like, whenever I was preparing, this kind of cheesy children's church hand motions that was helping me remember the points, but I'm going to give it to you all anyway. I'm not going to make you all do it like we're, we're back in, in the tent or anything, but I was thinking, you know, we submit to God, we exchange, we listen, and we persist. We submit to God, we exchange, we listen, and we persist. The third level, fourth level of prayer is persisting. It's persisting. I know it's cheesy, but hey, help me remember. 
It's helping me in the five levels of prayer. The fourth level of prayer is persisting. Luke chapter 11, verse 5 says this. Then Jesus, then teaching them more about prayer, he used this story. Suppose you went to a friend's house at midnight, wanting to borrow three loaves of bread. You say to him, a friend of mine has just arrived for a visit, and I have nothing for him to eat. And suppose he calls out from the bedroom, don't bother me. The door is locked for the night, and my family and I are all in bed. I can't help you. It's probably my exact response. But I tell you this, though he won't do it for his friend's sake, his friendship's sake, if you keep knocking long enough, if you're aggravating enough, he will get up and give you whatever you need because of your shameless persistence. And so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For anyone who asks receives and anyone who seeks finds and anyone who who, and, and everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. One of the most obnoxious things in the world is somebody knocking at your door nonstop. I've experienced that. And, you know, sometimes they have Jehovah's Witnesses that come in our... I'm just, hey, I'm just being real. There's Jehovah's Witnesses that come in, in, through our neighborhood. And there are some people that are like, come on in, let's debate. Let's let you know, let's really lay this out. I'm not one of those people. I'm just like, I'm not here. Like, and, they, and sometimes they, they knock and keep on knocking and keep on knocking and keep on knocking. You're like, yeah, fine, you know, just let me have your little pamphlet. You know, I'm a, I'm a pastor. I, I, I'm not really buying into what you're, you're selling. And it, but it's that persis- persistence of somebody knocking and knocking and knocking. And it's such a good illustration that Jesus used for us of, you know, sometimes our prayers aren't answered like that. I've had that happen where I prayed about something and it just happened, seemed like the next week. And that's awesome. But that's few and far between. A lot of times our prayers are persisting. And sometimes whenever a prayer isn't answered right away, we think that it's either not the will of God or it's not going to happen and we just give up. Now, sometimes it may not be the will of God. And and we talked about those levels. Maybe we're not submitting our will to his. We're bringing our will and praying for our will and not God's will. But a lot of times there's we need to persist in prayer. We need to we need to keep going, keep knocking, keep asking God for things to happen. God wants us to be people that are relentless, that aren't don't just give up after one time of prayer. There are things in my life that I've been praying for for a long time. It hasn't happened yet, but I still pray about it. There are things in your life that you prayed for for a long time. And some of you, maybe you're continuing to pray about it. Some of you maybe have given up about it. But I want to encourage you 
if it, you if it lines up with God's word and it's truly God's will and you've given up on it, pick it back up. Keep bringing it before God of God. This I'm believing for this. There's certain things that that may have not happened. And, you know, if it's the will of God, some of you, maybe you went into freshman year in your high school and you really were on fire for God and really wanted to see God radically shake your school. And halfway through your freshman year, you're like, man, this is hard. Like nobody's getting saved here. Nobody really seems to be interested. And you may, may feel discouraged and defeated. I encourage you, pick it back up. Doesn't matter if you if whatever happened last year happened last year. Continue to pray about those things. Continue to persist in prayer. We need to be people that are relentless in prayer, that are continuing to pray, continuing to seek after God, continuing to see his will come to earth. And ultimately. We know that if it's God's will and we continue to do our part in persisting in prayer, that it's going to come about eventually in his timing. So we submit our will to God. We exchange to God. We listen to God. I don't care if it's cheesy or not. Some of you are all even doing it with you with me, and I'm proud of you. all Y'all are my true friends. So we submit to God. We exchange. We listen. We persist. This is the most cheesy one. We war. That's a sword. We war. I'm not afraid. We war. Hey, help me to remember these levels. Might help y'all. Some of y'all might be like in prayer. Y'all all cool right now, but you're like, Lord, I submit. I exchange. I'm listening. Speak to me, Lord. I'm persisting. And Lord, I'm warring. Devil, you suck. <laughs> hey. I'm telling you, some of y'all are going to do that tomorrow in prayer. The fifth level of prayer is spiritual warfare. The spiritual warfare is warring in the spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, A final word. You know that, just to a sidetrack, Paul's giving a letter here, and he saves this for the last thing for him to say. A final word. Be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all the devil's strat- all the strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and, and blood enemies. Say that. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies. Everybody. We are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in the dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. You know, I feel like there there are two extremes in the body of Christ. And there are those that see a devil behind every single door. And for a lot of us, and, and, and myself included, that have grown up in church, that have seen those people that, oh, it's, it's, it's Satan, it's a satanic attack. Like, man, woke up and uh, my tire, I got a flat tire. Like, oh, Satan's after you. <laughs> well, probably not. Like, flat tires happen, maybe, I don't know. But what's happened a lot whenever we see that, 
is we just, oh, that's just over-spiritual. And we shift into the other side. And we almost become atheists of the devil, if that makes sense. I know that's not a real thing. But it's almost to where, like, yes, of course, God. But we just forget about that there are actually, like, demonic forces. There are, there's actually a devil out there that hates you. He actually, there's actual demons out there that are not cool with your prayer life, that are not cool with you living for God. There's an actual war that is going on in the spirit realm. And I'm not trying to be creepy or weird or bring it out, but it needs to be taught. It needs to be talked about healthily. Where and balanced where, no, there's not a devil behind flat tires happen. Okay, but there's also a devil out there. And he doesn't like us, but the good news is we don't have to be afraid of him at all. You need to walk in the boldness and the authority of Jesus that he has given you. Because, yes, we war not against flesh and blood, but against unseen principalities and rulers here. But the thing is, we have authority over that. We have authority over that. One of the a really, really powerful statement at, um, at Bethany, when Pastor Roy Stockstill, who started Bethany, was uh, was leaving Pastor Laird, whenever he first stepped into the senior pastor role, he asked him, Dad, what's the what's really the number one thing about ministry that, you know, you've learned in all these years you started this church? What's the number one thing? He said, son, people are not your enemy. People are not your enemy. And a lot of times what happens is people will begin to come against us and there's and just as God uses people so does Satan and and what we do is we focus on that person that person is my enemy and that's not true the the bible says we fight not against flesh and blood meaning we fight not against people with bodies that have blood flowing through their body flowing through their bodies they're not our enemy. So whoever is maybe causing trouble and strife in your life, that person is not your enemy. The enemy is your enemy. Satan is your enemy. And the spirit behind that person is your enemy. Not that person. Or maybe the, or the spirit in that person is your enemy. But not that person. And whenever we begin to... You know, if there's somebody in your school that has really come against you, really persecuting you especially, what that is, is a spirit of the Antichrist. Not saying that that person is the Antichrist. You might, some of you might think that of people. But the spirit of the Antichrist, anything that is up against Jesus, the Christ, is a spirit of the Antichrist. So if you're a Christian and if there are people that are coming against you because you are a Christian. Not because you have a bullhorn and you say turn or burn as they walk in to school. Don't do that. But because you live for Christ and they have a problem with it, that person is not your enemy. 
The spirit in that person or behind that person is your enemy. And you begin to take your thoughts off of that person and begin to start warring in the spirit of, you know what? In your prayer life, I come against that spirit of the Antichrist or I come against that spirit, that demonic force that is tormenting their life because I want to want you to know and you need to have that picture and that thought in your mind of that person if they do not have the spirit of God and is operating in a demonic spirit they have no peace they have no purpose and they are just as miserable actually more miserable than what they're trying to make you and you begin to have compassion for that person you begin to see that person of I'm not looking at them even it goes back to that scripture whenever Jesus, whenever the Bible says God looks at the heart, man looks at the outward, but God looks at the heart. Same thing with us. We, what, we have, what we see a lot is just the manifestation of that person and we get frustrated with them. We get angry with them and we get, we get to the point where, man, I don't want to have anything to do with them. But ultimately, whenever we get God's perspective, we begin to do spiritual warfare for that person and ask that God would set them free. That God would deliver them, that God would heal them, that God would move in their life and change them radically for his glory. Y'all receive that? We need to be people that are warriors in the spirit. We need to be people that get to that level. And these levels, they don't necessarily happen every day in prayer. So we not we don't necessarily in the sense of, you know, have to do crazy spiritual warfare in the sense of intercession for three hours for one person. Just pray for them. Just say, God, I pray that you touch them today. I pray, Lord, that you would use me to minister your love to them today. Help me, God, to make an impact in their life, to touch them for your glory forever. I'm not going to read all the, the, the scripture in, in Daniel but in Daniel, whenever um, where we get a 21 day fast is actually from the book of Daniel. Daniel was on a 21 day fast on the last day of his fast. Uh, the angel Michael uh, came before him and spoke to him and said, I, I came. I heard your prayer. God heard your prayer on day one whenever you were praying. But I got caught up in the spirit and basically he was warring in the spirit. And so it took him another 20 days to get to Daniel. But as Daniel was praying, he, God heard his prayer and actually dispatched an angel right away. But this is why those, the last two levels of prayer are so important. Of persisting and warring in the spirit, doing spiritual warfare. Because some of it, maybe some of us aren't praying the will of God, but a lot of times whenever we're aligned with God, we have his heart and we're praying about something. If it's not coming to pass, what we need to now do is kick into the fourth and fifth level of persistence and spiritual warfare. Because I'm here to tell you tonight that spiritual warfare is not just some weird backroom thing that some Christians do. It's biblical and it's something that we need to do and have in our life. I know some some of you, this may be a foreign concept. Maybe you've never heard of this before. But as you read your Bible, you will you'll begin to see this play out. You'll begin to see that the need of, you know what? 
I need to persist in prayer. I need to do spiritual warfare. And if you're in Christ and you have the nature of Christ, you have authority. And that is your weapon. You go before you remember the, the story when the guys they, they went to cast out a, a demon and they went kind of in their own authority, their own name. And that thing just whooped the junk out of them and stripped them down and like just beat them badly. He said, Paul, I know, and Jesus, I know, but who the heck are you guys? What happened was these these people went to try to do some deliverance and they weren't prepared. They went in their own name. They went in their own authority. And the truth is, there's no authority in the name of Elijah. There's no authority in your name. The only authority that we have as believers is in the name of Jesus, because he's the only one that did something that you and I could never do. And so now all authority is found in him. So whenever you begin to do spiritual warfare, go in the name of Jesus. You begin to call things that may not seem to be happening. You begin to call it down in the name of Jesus and take authority over it in the name of Jesus. So in closing, we submit, we exchange, we listen, we persist, and we war telling you some of y'all are going to do that tomorrow morning let's stand and close like i said whenever we first started my goal in this series and as eric wraps it up next week is for each and every one of us to have a fresh perspective and fresh passion for prayer some of you in here maybe we're all talking about five levels of prayer Some of you might be at level zero, like you don't have a prayer life. And I don't want you to leave here feeling down, feeling discouraged, and feeling like, man, I don't pray enough. I want you to leave here feeling encouraged, feeling equipped, and feeling like, you know what? I can do this stuff. I want all of you to be equipped in prayer. In fact, if any of you even, maybe you weren't able to take notes and you want a copy of my notes, or or, or, or you want these scriptures or whatever, come to me and and I'll make a note and I'll make you a copy of it because I want all of y'all to feel equipped and encouraged in prayer, not condemned. That's that's not my my goal at all in this series. I don't want all of us right now to just close close our eyes. The greatest prayer that, that you could ever pray is to come into relationship with Jesus. Some of you in here tonight... You might not, maybe you've never come into relationship with Jesus before. Maybe you once did and you're far away from Him. If you're here tonight, the Bible says that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is the Son of God, that you'll be saved. The greatest prayer that anybody could pray is a prayer of repentance of God. I turn away from my sins and I embrace the cross. If you're here tonight and you would say that I'm not in relationship with Jesus, if I die tonight, I don't know or I do know that I would not go to the right place. If you're here tonight, nobody looking around, all eyes closed. You say, I'm not in relationship with Jesus tonight. Would you just boldly slip up your hand? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come down to the front. If any, I, This is the most important thing. If anybody in here... I see your hand. If anybody in here 
Just slip your hand up and slip it back down. If you're not in relationship with Jesus, I'm not going to embarrass you. Let's see a few hands. I want everybody just together to pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, come on everybody. Lord Jesus, I embrace the cross tonight. I turn from my sin and just receive your nature. Tonight, I want to be a Christian. Come in my heart and make all things new. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, I encourage you to come up to one of the leaders or come up to me and and tell us about it. But I want us all to be people that, I want us to be a, a ministry that is focused on prayer. Ministry that, because if we're focused on prayer, ultimately we're connecting with the heart of God. And that's our goal, that's our purpose, is It's not about the lights. It's not about the sound. It's not about anything, but it's about connecting with the heart of God. So tonight, let's just go all together before God right now. Lord Jesus, I just pray that you would make us, God, a ministry that is focused upon prayer, that is passionate about prayer, that, that even looks forward to prayer meetings because they know that it's an avenue to connect with you, God. Lord, I pray that you would touch all of our hearts. Help us, Lord to go through these levels of prayer, God, that we would get closer to you, closer than we've ever been before tonight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Again, thanks for joining us. For more info on Fusion, you can check us out on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram.